0: Girl can sing, can't she? She's not from around here. She's from Australia. She's, uh, you know, every church, um, every church that has multiple services, the services take on different personalities. So I'm just going to tell you this: um, the last service of the day, I'm a, I'm a little bit more um, unwound, and and so if if you if you brought a friend today. And, and they're a little like, is he, it, I, I need something to look, just bring them to the, to the early service next week, because the wheels come off in this one, and I, I don't know why. Okay, I needed to say this before we get started. Um, we got a couple messages on Facebook about a month ago. And um, if you're watching on Facebook today, I just would like you to know, um, a couple of people on Facebook uh, left a message on our Facebook page about a month ago. And they said, hey, we're watching, monitoring the construction of the building. And we've been in construction for 20 years. And there's no way you're going to be in that building on, the day, on March 28th. And so if you're watching on Facebook today, I'd just like to say, yeah. all right. So <laughs> it felt, I don't know if that was right, but it felt so good. If I were to do a survey of the room, of the, of the people in the room, and ask you what's something that you want, like one day, what's something you would love to have, just about everybody in the room would have an answer. Um, except there might be one person that's like, oh, no, I don't need anything. All I've got is Jesus, and Jesus is enough for me. And that's, you're a liar, okay, first of all, because we all want something. Like, how many of you would just uh, love a vacation, just a vacation? Yeah, those are the moms. Um, yeah, vacation. <laughs> Um, how many would love like a second home one day? Like a second home? Yeah, yeah, don't, don't be afraid. Don't do this. Dude, I want a second. I want a third home. I want a fourth. Anyway, how many would love a sports car? Who's with me on this? That's mine. I want a sports car. Now, let me explain something to you. I don't want a sports car because I'm going through a midlife crisis. Um, I'm 49, I turned 50 on June the 24th, write it down, June the 24th, that is my birthday, I do accept gifts, I will accept real sports cars. Um, It's not because I'm turning 50, I've wanted a sports car since I saw Smokey and the Bandit in the theater, okay, I was in the theater. Now, I don't want that particular sports car because if you have like a 1979 Trans Am, you are a redneck, that's just the way it is. But I would love a sports car. I had a fake sports car one time. A fake sports car is a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Um, and if you drive one, they're cool. They're cool. They're just not real sports cars because re- I need four or 500 horsepower in the sports car, right? And if we went around the room, I could ask you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And somebody would, you'd probably have something that you would want, like maybe even a nicer TV. I don't know, but we all have something that we would want for ourselves. And I started thinking about, On this particular Sunday, it would be a great day to just kind of share with you, as the pastor, what I want for this church. Five things I want for this church. But more specifically, five things I want for every single person in this church. I I don't want it just for the building. I want these things for everybody that walks in the doors or everybody that watches online. These are five things... Out of the passage of scripture that I read right before we sang that last song, five things that I want for us as a group of people and us as a church. If you, want, if you have a Bible or you've got an app on your phone you want to follow along, Luke, I mean, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to go. Luke wrote the book of Acts. I got a little mixed up there. Acts chapter 3, the first thing I want is no more ordinary Sundays. No more, thank you very much, appreciate that. No more... Now, here's the reason I say that. When I was a kid, and, and many of you, this is your story too, I hated church. And hate is a strong word, and I know hate is a strong word, which is why I'm choosing to use the word hate. In fact, the only way I went to church was under threat of bodily harm. My mother told me, if you don't get out of that bed, I will kill you. That's the, anybody with me, that's the only reason you went to church and let nothing exciting happen to church. Nothing. Now, somebody here is like, now Perry, you don't know. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I was there every Sunday. The only excitement we had was when Miss Cantrell and Miss Galloway had a wreck in the parking lot. That was the that was awesome. <laughs> Cause you took sides. I saw Miss Cantrell, she was backing out. Miss Galloway wouldn't look where she was going. I mean, that, that, that was the most exciting thing that ever happened. We had a program. You got a bulletin, program, everything printed out. And if you skipped a song, there was a business meeting that night because somebody was going to be burned at the stake. Church people do that, you know. So, so it was serious and nothing exciting ever happened in church. They were every Sunday was ordinary. The reason I don't want there to be ordinary Sundays is because I think every single week we walk into doors or every single week we log online that we should have an experience with the supernatural. And when we experience Jesus on a supernatural basis, we can call it a lot of things, but we can't call it ordinary. I don't know about you, but I think we are past the point of having ordinary Sundays. Now, the the place I get this... Is the very first verse of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 says this Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Now, we would read that and skip over it, but in Jewish culture, there were multiple prayer services during the day. In fact, on this particular day, there had been a 9 9 o'clock prayer service and a 12 o'clock prayer service. And this was the third prayer service. We don't know if Peter and John went to the 9 or 12, but we know they're on their way to the 3 o'clock prayer service. They're on their way. But the reason, I believe, that this story takes a turn, and it takes a dramatic turn. We read it a while ago. The reason it takes an unbelievable dramatic turn is this. Peter and John walked around with a sense of expectation. The reason many times we show up at church and we receive no revelation is because there's no expectation. What would happen if we walked in these doors and we said, I don't know what he's going to do today, but God's going to do something in this place. I believe God's going to heal somebody. I believe God's going to touch somebody. I believe Jesus is going to change somebody. It might not be me. It might be the person next to me, but I know for a fact that when we walk out of this place, we're not going to walk out the same way we walked in because we don't have ordinary Sundays. Every Sunday is an opportunity for us to experience the supernatural. Which I shared this a couple weeks ago, but I want to share this so many times that y'all accuse me of being an old man and losing my mind and repeating myself, which I already do, by the way. Thank you very much. But the vision of Second Chance Church is Second Chance Church is a church for people, all people experience the presence of Jesus. Every single week. And the reason that's so important, the reason there can't be any ordinary Sundays, is when we experience the presence of Jesus, we can't stay the same. You can't meet Jesus and stay the same. In fact, I want there to be a holy shift that takes place in our minds. I want there to be a holy shift that takes place in our hearts. I want you, when you walk out of this place, to look at the person you came with and say, Holy shift, that was awesome. Shift, shift, shift. Some of y'all are going to say the other word in the parking lot when y'all are trying to leave, all right? But y'all be nice. Holy shift, that was awesome. Holy shift, Jesus did something in me. He changed me. He. St- hey, listen, you might not even be a Christian, but you can feel something stirring up inside of you, and you're like, I don't know what that is. That's Jesus. I had somebody ask me one time, I love what y'all do with the air conditioner. What do you mean? I was sitting in there, and every once in a while, y'all turn it down. I get chills. I mean, that's not the air conditioner, baby. (laughs) That's the hand of God going boop. That's exactly what that is. I don't know about you, but for me, for me, and I'm just telling y'all, this is true. Ever since the day we started this church, every time I pull up, I'm like, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know something's going to happen. Every single Sunday we've had church, Jesus has saved somebody, changed somebody's life. He is, we have seen it happen. I don't know about you, but the reason I I love this church is because we don't do business as usual. There's no ordinary Sundays. Number two, no more less than people. No more less than people. I went to rehab. It was awesome. Not really. There were parts of it that were awesome. I was told not to say rehab. I was like, say treatment. It sounds better. I was like, nah, rehab. (laughs) You can't polish a turd, all right? I mean, mean, that's... (laughs) Met some interesting people out there. Interesting people. And uh, I honestly met some of the best people in the world because that's where you go to get better. And and I'll talk about this later, but the reason you could get better is because you got honest. Like everybody was honest. Everyone, no, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just kind of checking out the scenery. Like (laughs) nobody was there to check out the scenery. And we all found out what each other did. I remember my group, I was with a small group, and they were like, So what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. (laughs) Like at a church. Yeah, I said. Well, is it like, do you wear a robe? I said, No, I'm not a Jedi. I don't I wear a robe. <laughs> What's a pastor doing in rehab? I was like, You ever work with church people? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I met a guy named Joe, and uh, we'll just call him Joe. And he was a man's man. He was bald-headed, not by choice, because he shaved his head. it's bald-headed. And he uh, was a fireman. We and and he was he was he looked like he looked like if if there was a fire and Joe showed up, I knew the fire was going to get put out. He looked like he was, he like looked like a fireman, looked like a fireman named Joe. And he asked me one day, he's like, Pastor P, he said, uh, can I talk to you maybe this afternoon? When we get some free time. I said, um, uh, yeah, but like, what would you like? He said, well, you're a pastor. I'm like, yeah, but Joe, I'm in I'm a pastor in rehab. I'm not sure I can help you. <laughs> He was like, "No, I think I think you can answer my question," and I said, "Okay." So I never will forget it. We sat across from each other, and he 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 looked. There's a chessboard. And I, for some reason, I remember the chessboard. I remember him sitting here. He was wearing a yellow shirt. I'm sitting here, and I, he said, "I got a question for you." I said, "Okay." He said, "First of all, you know I used to be a you know I used to be a woman," and I thought that was the funniest thing I had ever heard. So I laughed out loud. (laughs) And he didn't. (laughs) In fact, huge tears rolled up in his eyes, and they started streaming down his face. And I was like, oh, oh, you're you're for real. He said, yeah. He said, 10 years ago, he said, I went through the surgeries and the the change, I did, did everything. He said, I was a woman. Now I'm not. He said, this is my question for you. does God still love me? He said, because I got told by a pastor that because of what I did, that, that God does not love me anymore. And I just need to know if that's true. I just remember, looking, I cried with him. I said, Joe, I said, God loves you so much, man. He loves you so much much i just left it because see what some people want to do is say god loves you but anything that follows the but negates the fact of god loves you just god loves you and there's some in here going did you tell him that was wrong well first of all (laughs) before we talk about joe let's talk about you Because the church has a, has a habit of picking on problems that we don't happen to struggle or deal with. He asked a question, did God love him? I answered his question, yes. Because, but I realized something. And even in church world, especially in church world, there are people in the room that feel less than. Now, there are different reasons, but we'll we'll look at the guy in the story because it's obvious why he feels less than. As they approach the temple, a man lame from birth. Now, I've I've had some problems in my life, but I can't imagine being born unable to walk. This guy is is lame from birth. And we find out later on in Acts chapter 3 that he's about 40 years old. Now in Jewish culture 2,000 years ago, if you were born with a physical defect, it was either because A you were being punished for a a sin, like a future sin you would commit, or B, you were being punished for your parents' sin. And so when he was born, he was born into this condition, and when people looked at him, all they could see is a person that was less than. All they could see was a person that was broken because of how he was born. He was born sinful. Does anybody have anything in common with this man? I think we were all born sinful because none of us had to teach our children learn how to bite somebody when they get, didn't get their way, all right? <laughs> a man was lame from birth, lame from birth. He was always looked down upon, you can see it. He, he was um, being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate. You know why he was put beside the temple gate? Because he couldn't go in. Because he had a physical defect. And if you had a physical defect in that day, it meant that you, you had a spiritual problem. And if you had a spiritual problem, you couldn't go into the temple, you couldn't be prayed for, you couldn't be forgiven, you were essentially damned to hell by religious culture. You were less than because of what you were born into. How ironic is it that he was put beside the one called the beautiful gate because there's nothing beautiful about his life. Nothing beautiful about his life. He's sitting there, and he can watch people go in and out of the temple, but he can't go. Why was he put there? So he could beg from the people going into the temple. This is not the life that he wanted. This is not the life that he felt less than. Now, if you're here, odds are you know my story. I have felt less than in so many rooms and in so many environments. But that's what I know about Anderson, South Carolina. In Anderson, South Carolina, what you did in high school will follow you through your senior adult years. It's not just me. It's y'all struggle with it too. People identify you with what you did. People call you by who you used to be. That's why some people in this room feel less than because you didn't see the divorce coming. You didn't plan on the addiction. You didn't plan on the abortion. But it happened. And if you can go back and do it again, pause. You can't. But because of that thing that you did, or because of that thing that was done to you, You feel less than. And when you feel less than, you will spend the rest of your days begging people, begging God for scraps from the king's table when, as his children, we've been actually given a seat at the table and don't have to ask for scraps anymore. I don't know what you're used to. I just know that in this room, there are no more less than people. Which leads, which leads to number three. Number three, I gotta find my little clicker thing here. Number three, no more low expectations. When it comes to church, I, I don't believe we should have lo- low expectations. Now, going back to growing up as a church, as a church kid, I didn't have a lot of expectations. In fact, I had no expectations. But I don't want us as people in the church to have low expectations, not just of what God wants to do in the building, what God wants to do in each of our lives. What is it that God wants to do inside of you that hasn't happened yet? Don't think so low of yourself that you don't think that God has some supernatural plan that will absolutely blow your mind. Because if he's about to do what he's about to do to this God that's been lame from birth, what could he do for each one of us? Watch what happens. I love this. I love this. Now, this is, I'm going to ask you a question. It's not a setup. I'm not trying to trick anybody. Sometimes I try to trick y'all. I do. I do. But I'm not trying to trick y'all this time. Here we go. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now, does that, does that bother you sometimes when you're trying to go somewhere and somebody's asking you for money? Because it does, me. You got any money? Nope. Nope. And he's asking them for money. But let's just think for a second. He's been lame for 40 years. He hadn't been able to walk. If he could have asked for anything in the world, what do you think he would have asked for? To walk. Uh huh. That's what he really wanted. But because he had been that way for 40 years, he allowed his handicap to become his identity. And instead of asking for what he really wanted, He wanted to walk. He settled for, do you have a few coins that can sustain me in my dysfunction? See, one of the problems when we get caught up in something, and the something can be anything, it can be any sinful habit, it can be any sinful pattern, it can be anything that kind of controls and dominates our life, we begin to think, there's no way God can deliver me out of this, there's no way God can deliver me through this. And so in, instead of asking God to do something miraculous in my life, I will just ask him to help me get through the day. I don't think Jesus died on the cross just so we can make it through the day. I think he died on the cross so we could experience the supernatural, which is, which is why he's asking for money. Now, watch this. Peter and John looked at him intently. How awkward was this? Hey, man, can I have some money? Whatever happened, you just somebody stares at you, and you're just like, "I'm assuming no." <laughs> That's for me. And Peter said, "Peter said, look at us." And the guy's like, "I'm looking. you staring. This is this is weird. This is like a this is weird weird thing going on here." The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some what. His expectations were too low. Because somebody had told him, you'll always be that way. You were born that way. You're stuck in that condition. Nothing or no one can ever help you. And he had accepted what people said about him. And because he accepted what people said about him, he was refusing to believe that God actually had a greater plan for him. I understand it. If you've been that way for 40 years, I understand. (laughs) You think think you're forgotten by God. You think you're all by yourself. But watch what happens here. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. Now, as soon as as Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, the guy's probably saying, then what good are you? That's what I'm thinking. But then he said, "But, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Peter, Peter, come here for a minute. Come here, Peter. Come here. Okay. I don't know if you know about this guy. He hadn't walked in 40 years. and You're asking him to walk. Don't you think that's a little much? I mean, we can all agree that the guy had low expectations, but can we agree that maybe Peter's expectations were too high? What, what was the difference? I mean, the guy had low expectations. Peter's like you need to walk. The guy's like, I just want some coins. Peter's like, you want to walk? Here's the difference. Peter had actually been with Jesus. And because Peter had been with Jesus, Peter knew what Jesus was capable of doing in this man's life. And so Peter, instead of saying, yes, you know what, I'm going to enable your dysfunction. I'm going to enable you to stay that way. Peter said, "Uh uh-uh, there's no way. I want you to get up and walk. In other words, Jesus wants to deliver you out of that condition. I believe there's some people in this room, you've struggled with depression your whole life. But you know what? God's going to set you free from depression. God's going to set you free from anxiety. God's going to set you free from addiction. Because we're going to walk in this place knowing that there's going to be a holy shift where we no longer settle for low expectations from the king who can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Which leads to number four. Number four is (laughs) number four is this: no more pretending we can do it on our own. No more. About a year ago, I went down to Tractor Supply. You know where that place is? I've only been there once, one time. It's fascinating. So I walk in, and I needed to get some rubber mats. I've got some weights at my house, that I, some dumbbells, and I try to lift, lift a few weights and stuff. And so I need to get some rubber mats, put the weights on, because when you throw your dumbbells down, it gets on the carpet, and that's not good. So I'm trying to make my house look good. So I went and got these rubber mats. And when I walked in, there was a lady that worked there. And um, you could tell she worked there because she, she had on, like, a cowboy shirt with buttons, <laughs> tugged in, wranglers, belt buckle, boots she, she either worked there or, or dated George Strait I had no idea which one but she was <laughs> when I walked in I, I, I walked over the counter she was like Pastor P I was like of course I know you of course <laughs> of course. these are my people she said what you buying now I, I, did, I wanted to say like horse feed because that sounded manly but I was like I'm getting some of them rubber mats y'all got out there. And she goes, oh, yeah, pull your truck on around. I hope you put them in the truck. I said, I'm "I'm good. I said, I don't need any help. She went, you're going to need some help. (laughs) I got a little pissed. I was like, you seen these guys? (laughs) No, I'm good. I got it. I, I got it. She said, okay, well, I just make sure you get to the right place. So I I pulled around. Karis was with me, so she got to witness my humility. <laughs> I pulled around and I saw the mats and I grabbed it. And I I and when I pulled, have you ever, <laughs> have you ever pulled something that wouldn't come with you? You're like, I was like, he. And she looked at me and smiled a little bigger. Hee! You having some trouble there, Pastor P? (laughs) Uh, You you think you can, you think, she said, oh, I got you. She grabbed that mat. (laughs) I grabbed my end, I was like, (laughs) she shook my hand, nearly broke my fingers. I was, I couldn't get, I couldn't get the mat in the truck by myself. I couldn't do it by myself. I had to have some help. Do you know one of the biggest problems in church world is there are so many people that think you can do this by yourself. One of the reasons that people struggle and even die spiritually is because they're too afraid to raise their hand and say, I need some help. Trust me. I've taken that trip. Not going there again. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand. Now, if you're, if, if you're there and you're just like videoing this, this is the cruelest thing ever. He just took the lame man by the right hand. Now, don't miss this. Beggars in this time period would have held a cup they would have held the cup so you could put the coins in the cup. And that's all he wanted was some coins in his cup. In order to take Peter's hand, he would have had to put the cup down in order to take Peter's hand. There are some people here today that you're going to have to put down the cup of pride and actually accept somebody's offer to help, because at the end of the day, we need each other if we're going to make it through this thing called life. Now, this is, this is my favorite. You meet these people. God, I love these people. Now, if you're one of these people, and you're like, all he does is make fun of these people. Yes, I'm going to make fun of you for the rest of my life. <laughs> these people, all I need is Jesus. All I need is Jesus. If if it's just Jesus and me, I'm good. No, it's not. Mm -mm. No, it's not. My question to those people is always, if all you need is Jesus, then why wasn't Jesus enough for Jesus? In Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prays, you remember when he prays and he sweats drops of blood? He walks up to Peter, James, and John, and he said, please go with me, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. If Jesus wasn't enough for Jesus, if Jesus needed other people, then we need other people as well. And I want second chance to be a place where it's okay where we can put the cup of pride aside and extend our help. And Peter reaches out and grabs him by the right hand and helped him up. We're not here. Listen, religion pushes you down. Jesus helps you up that's the difference we're not trying to push anybody down we're trying to help somebody up because if it wasn't for the hand of jesus and my life I would be flat on my face. I would be in a gutter. I would be in a ditch. But Jesus and other people extended their hand and helped me up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And what he did here, he wants to do here in this place. I'm telling you, this is, now I understand, I understand, I understand. It's scary to ask for help in the church because once you ask for help in the church, your prayer request turns into the gossip line. But we're all messed up. We all need this. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for people in my life who were willing to extend their hand and help me up, I would not be here today you got to put the pride. Listen, here's something I know personally. If you don't put the pride aside, one day you will hit a wall going 90 miles an hour and nothing good comes out of a collision like that. I'm telling you, I want this to be a place where it really is okay not to be okay, but it really is not okay to stay that way. This is a place where you can confess I'm messed up because it's not going to surprise anybody in the room. I want this to be a place where you can ask for help. That's why we have a care room. That's why we have a care team. Every Sunday, I tell people, at the end of the service, if you need somebody to pray with you or pray for you, we have a group of people right outside these doors. We have a room over here now to my left-hand side, and it's a place, listen, where you, I, nothing, just, nothing shocks me anymore. Except... For Christians, who try to pretend they can do it on their own. This is a place where you don't have to fight. Listen, you don't have to fight anymore on your own. You can have an army of people around you. Which leads to my last point. No more staying silent. No more staying silent. Now, I'm going to put this out there. I'm a Clemson fan. I'm a Clemson fan. I had somebody tell me when we started this church, you know, you can't. We know, we, we know you've been pastoring. You can't talk about your favorite football team because people are going to get mad. I'm a Clemson fan. I've literally had people say, I will leave your church if you talk about Clemson. One more time. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Because listen, <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you this. I've lived in the world of performing to make people happy. I am who I am. I'm going to be who I am. And I hope everybody's okay with that. Now, if you like, I'm clapping here for Clemson, but if you are a Clemson fan, how many are Clemson fans? How many are Clemson, yes, a lot lot of people that love Jesus in this place. If if you're a Clemson fan, though, you'll remember, it it hadn't been easy to be a Clemson fan. It hadn't always been easy. Like right now, they got a chaplain on staff. They used to have a parole officer, y'all remember that? But, y'all remember those five years that Carolina beat us? Uh, no, if you're a Carolina fan, you should cheer. It was great. Y'all hadn't beat us since, but but, y'all remember they had Darth Visor down there, Steve Sparrier. And they beat us five, and every year I'd be like, this is going to be the year! Yeah! And then I would go watch the game with friends, and they're not my friends anymore because... I mean, it was like, but then, but then, man, there was that year. That year we had to break through. We had to break through. And I was, I, man, I, I was dancing and cheering, and I, I, was cu- I, I was cussing. I was, some of y'all like, what were you saying? I, it's so bad I'd have to start third chance if I told y'all everything I said. I mean, I was, I was talking some smack. I was sober at the time, too, just so somebody's wondering. But if if you're a football fan, though, it doesn't matter your team, it doesn't matter your team. Let's say your team is is down by a few points, and they're driving, and there's a few seconds left on the clock. And they score that touchdown with a few seconds left on the clock, and they go ahead, and they're going to win the game. And you're watching it. As they score the touchdown, as a true fan, what do you do every time? Hands are in the air. Hands are in the air. We just won the game. That's what I want this church to be like. No more staying silent. I wish I had 15 people that would get excited about the fact that Jesus has done something in your life. I wish I had somebody that knew if it were not for the grace of God, I would not be here if it wasn't for how good he's been. Because scripture says that he jumped and he stood on his feet and he began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. I believe the church should be a place of celebration, not condemnation. Because we have a God who has done greater things for us than we could ever imagine. So may we celebrate Jesus, who He is, and what He's done in our life. Because there's no one or nothing greater than Him. Before I pray, I want you to think about something. Four years ago, this building was abandoned, it was empty it was a shell there was nothing here and here we are today immeasurably more than anybody would have imagined for this building but let's not celebrate what God did in the building and not understand that that's what he wants to do in our lives may we be open to receive the Father right now in the name of Jesus thank you that you take things that are broken and abandoned and lame and hurt and confused and worried and filled with doubt. God you love messy broken people because messy and broken people are all that there are. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, what is that work that Jesus wants to do in you? What's that miracle that you stopped asking him for? What holy shift needs to take place in your life? Who needs to ask for help today because you know you can't make it on your own? Who's tired of asking him for for, for normal when he's able to do the supernatural? If Jesus spoke to your heart during this message, Take a minute and speak back to his. And just say, yes, Lord. Yes, I surrender. Yes, you can have that part of my life. Yes, I will go there. Yes, I will follow. Yes, and maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. And you know that's the decision you need to make. Then right where you stand right now, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart and ask Christ to come in. I want you to just pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, i receive you into my life. Take over. You can have it all in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just said that prayer in your heart for the very first time, would you shoot your hand up in the air and leave it up because I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to celebrate with you. Amen. Amen. Anybody anybody else, if you're online, do the hand raise emoji. Father, I want to thank you for lifting hands. I want to thank you for changing lives. God, I want to thank you that this building is a reminder that you take dead things and you bring them back to life. I want to thank you for taking a crippled man and he's walking and he's sleeping and he's dancing. May we walk out of this place, God, with a sense of joy, a sense of celebration, A sense of anticipation, not only of what you're going to do in this church, but what you're going to do in our lives, knowing that you are good, knowing that you are faithful, and knowing that in you, the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everybody that agrees said, amen. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Woo! Easter next weekend, we'll see y'all back here. God bless. I love y'all.